Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Eat Me, Question Everything. Today, we are talking to Serena. Thank you so much for being here today, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, (laughs) you've been waiting. Yeah, we have been waiting to chat with you for quite some time. So uh, let's just get into it. You are gaining lots of traction and I've actually watched almost every single interview you've done. And I know Courtney and you have worked together. So let's just get into your story, where you came from, how you found carnivore, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I think that um, we were just talking about it. I think that the binge eating factor of normal life for many, many women and many people, you know, just in general, doesn't get talked about enough because the normal foods are so highly addictive that it's so normal for people to be binging and not even know that's what they're doing. I think probably most people have a binge eating disorder, even if they just don't know it. If you eat one donut and then want four more, you've got a binge eating problem. (laughs) If you eat a handful of chips and then eat half a bag of chips, you have a binge eating disorder. And I think most people do because we don't know what serving sizes are. We don't know how nutrition works. And so that puts us automatically, you know, behind the eight ball, so to speak, as far as nutrition goes. So for me, I always thought that I was very healthy. I was an avid juicer. Um, We have four children and um, I started them all with like their first food. I breastfed and then their first food was like, green beans out of a can with no salt added. And I was like, so obsessed about how they ate that I carried them in my diaper bag. And I would be at a red light with my two-year-old in the back seat saying they're hungry. And I would pop the top or use a can opener in in the car at a red light. And I would hold the top on and dump the water out my window and then hand them the can of green beans. (laughs) I mean, I was, I thought that I was doing so great. Now, I mean, they did eat, they did eat some junk food, you know, they ate chicken nuggets and, and stuff like that. But When my 16 year old was one, one and a half, the palms of her hands and the soles of her feet were orange from carrot juice because I believed that I was healing us. I believed that I was saving us. I believed that that was going to fix any problems that we had then and any problems we have in the future because we were going to be so super healthy. Um, So just to give you that backstory on me, but at the same time, I came from a house where my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was a drug addict. My sister was anorexic and bulimic. I mean, we had, we had some serious issues. And so I think because of the addictive nature of my home and my genes, if it comes from there, you know, I was going to have a problem. Um, And unfortunately it was food, but at the same time, fortunately it was food because, you know, on one hand, food is a necessity. It's something we have to deal with every day, whereas you don't have to deal with you know, alcohol or drugs every day. It's not constantly around you. People aren't going into restaurants and, you know, you know, when you go into a restaurant, there's not always alcohol. There's certainly never here in a normal life. Anyway, there isn't like cocaine and heroin, you know, you can't order that off the menu, but you do have to eat. And so unfortunately for me, it was food. And I didn't know, like, I didn't recognize my problem. Actually, it's been very recent um, that I recognized it as the binge eating disorder that it was, but I was bulimic for about 20 years. And even once that stopped, I continued to binge, but I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't, I didn't see the connection between the binging that I was doing and then the punishing myself that I was doing for the next three or four days or a week or two weeks, depending on how bad, bad the binge was, whether I was juice fasting or fasting in general, or only eating lettuce for you know, seven days because I had eaten an entire pound cake over the weekend, or I didn't realize. Um, But even two years ago, 
as the mom that I am now, the adult that I am now, I was 48 years old. So like, this was my whole life. I bought my first diet pills when I was 12. Um, so this was my whole adult life. Um, I was going grocery shopping at Sam's like a normal person. And I would buy like that, that chocolate drizzle popcorn. It's like the best thing in the whole world. I would buy two of the bags or giant, you know, they're family size bags. I would buy two of those and I would eat one while I was walking around the store and eat more of it on the way home. Then when I got home, I would hide that bag you know, like in the storage room in the garage or something. And then I would bring the full bag in and everybody would be so excited that I brought this home and we would all eat it together. And then at some point later when nobody was paying attention, I would go down and get that bag and bring it up. But, you know, this was as a 48 year old mom before who is living a normal life. Nobody would suspect there was anything wrong. And many people wouldn't even consider that binging because it's so normal for people to do stuff like that. But I was hiding from it, you know, um, on my birthday weekend in 2021 in May, I was feeling really down and out. I had gained some weight. You know, we had just come through all the COVID stuff and the staying home. And um, I, like I said, had gained some weight and I have a post COVID issue that makes things taste and smell rotten. So it's been a little bit more than two years since I've really tasted and smelled certain foods. Many things taste and smell rotten. <clears throat> I have to describe it like a, a rotten skunk carcass somebody lit on fire. It's like the most horrible smell you could ever imagine. Um, and I still have that. Like right now there is bacon sitting on the kitchen counter that I don't even think I can clean up because it smells so bad now that it's cold when it's hot, it doesn't smell like that. But there are still many things that smell like that. Um, my daughter was having peanut butter yesterday and I smelled it, still smells horrible. Coffee smells like that. Um, popcorn smells like that. There are many things that smell like that. And so I was right in the thick of this and learning how to navigate all of that. Um, on my birthday weekend in May of 2021. And my 14 and 16 year olds have a gluten-free baking business that they've had for about five years and they make the best cupcakes ever. And I wasn't carnivore yet. And so I asked them to double the batch for my birthday and I ate 20 cupcakes in 36 hours. That's binge eating at its finest right there. Um, it's between Saturday afternoon and through Sunday. And I woke up Monday morning and I said, that's it. So I can't eat fruits and vegetables because they taste and smell rotten. There are only like two meats I can eat. Eggs smell like, you know, fresh vomit. I mean, there were only a few things I could eat, but I said, if I'm going to give up carbs and sugar and I can't eat fruits and vegetables, what does that leave me? And can I survive doing this? And the Google search of all Google searches <laughs> found the carnivore diet. You know, I didn't know that that's what it was. That's not what I was looking for. I wanted to know if I could survive on just meat for a while so that I could get through this and possibly heal my taste and smell issue, which I had done like a five day water fast and it did fix it for about two days. And then it went right back. So I was actively trying things for the three months that I had been dealing with this previously. I did a 14 day juice fast to try to fix it. The only thing that worked was the water fast. And then it came right back, you know, like two days later. So I'm, um, so I woke up that morning and said, okay, I got to stop. I mean, I was killing myself with sugar. The only thing that tasted and smelled normal was sugary baked goods, cookies, cupcakes, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so I had to do something and it turns out carnivore is a thing who knew, and, um, it's pretty awesome. And so I switched that day. I learned about it on Monday morning and switched that very day. Um, and haven't looked back. I mean, it had, I did have a few discretions around Christmas time that year, but you know, not very many and it was fine. It didn't lead me into a binge or anything like that. Thank goodness. But, um, but since then I have been, you know, pure 100% carnivore. Um, it's been, uh, it'll be 20 months next week that I've been doing it. Um, and I've never felt better. Um, so I, I started it really like to heal that post COVID issue. And I try not to cry because I still tear up. I was just talking to Kelly the other day 
and I teared up. She and I were going back and forth and I started crying. We were doing voice messaging, you know, because I can't believe that I'm better. You know, I still can't believe that I'm better. We're talking like 37 years of eating disorders and disordered eating as an almost 50 year old person. I'm better and I'm at peace for the first time in my entire life. And um, it's a pretty cool feeling, you know, um, and I'm a little bit obsessed with telling other people about it because I want other people to feel this way. But, um, but anyway, that's my story, the long and the short of it, I guess. You got, okay. You got me tearing up. I don't, I don't cry. And Courtney's over there. So it's like, that oh, I always so cry. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us though, because like, I think a lot of people, you know, they, and I'm sure you've heard this, like, it's just a diet. It's just a diet. And it's like, to some people, it is just so much more than a diet. And yeah. when you haven't gone through those struggles yourself, it's very easy to sit there and accuse someone of like, Oh my God, you're obsessed with the diet. But like, there is food can be so emotional. Yeah. Um, and when you can take the emotions out of eating, like, like you just said, like what, how could you not be obsessed, you know, with yeah. that kind of healing. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, because I have so much in in common with you with that story, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of similarities and, and people don't understand. And it's frustrating because they say, Oh, well, you just traded one eating disorder for another one. And it's like, but no, like, I have never felt better eating this way. And I'm not, I'm not like, you know, having these cheat meals on the weekend, like I always used to do, like, it's mm -hmm. just thing of the past. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? When people say this is another eating disorder and just to add on to that question, like what were the diets that you tried before? And obviously, I mean, I would assume none of them were sustainable because here we are at carnivore. Um, but what are your thoughts on all that? You're going to edit this, right? Well, we can now. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, Devin, since you're not on your phone, look up the definition of an eating disorder. I just want to be sure. I think it's, I think it's a way of eating that negatively impacts your lifestyle. Just double check that for me real quick before I say I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to do it right now. Huh? I'm no, gonna, this I'm is, gonna... And this is fine. We can leave this all in. That's fine. We'll okay. look it up and okay. then we can tell people. Yeah. Cause this is all okay. important for sure. No big deal. Yeah. It's a very I casual part, but I think, I think that's right. Okay. It's defined as any of a any range of mental conditions in which there is a persistent disturbance of eating behavior and impairment of physical and or mental health okay so it doesn't specifically say negative um one of the eating disorders um says it as a negative but um disturbance but, would be negative yeah disturbance would be negative um and so this the only thing this does is give me positivity there has not been a day except for the day I got sick of meat bars last week with, with my aversion to ground beef, except for that. Um, I have not had a negative experience since I started the carnivore diet, not with food. Um, and the other lifestyle that I had, I had negative experiences, uh, almost on a daily basis, honestly, because I was either on a diet or cheating on my diet for the last like 37 years of my life. I was either on a diet or cheating on my diet. Um, and so this is the first time in my life that I have felt like I wasn't on a diet and I hit my goal on Thanksgiving and that was very emotional. Um, not because of the weight because, the, and I even got to a point where 
like five or 10 pounds to my goal, I thought, is that even my goal anymore? I mean, what is the goal here? Because the goal here is, I mean, I have friends who say that are my age, like 50 years old, and they say, oh, I'd be happy with another 20 years. I'm like, I'm going for 50. You know, I want to see my kids and my grandkids. For me, it is not just about the weight. So I became conflicted, like in October, people would say, well, what's your goal weight? Like, you know what? I don't know anymore. I mean, I, I obviously I want to be, I want to be able to wear these certain clothes that are in my closet that I haven't been able to wear in years, but as far as weight goes, I'm not really sure. And then I was surprised that I was actually able to wear some of those things before my goal weight. So I'm shaped differently than I was. The weight is different than it was the last time I weighed this amount. And, um, so you know, the way I feel is just immeasurable. Um, and when I did hit my goal, like I said, it was emotional because there are days where I still can't believe it. Like I catch a glimpse of some of my videos. I'm like, what, is that me? Like, it's still just this weird. Cause after that long of being on a diet and having this mental like vision of yourself and, and physical vision of yourself over all of those years, it's almost hard to be in a place like a lot of people gain their weight back after they hit their goal, almost on purpose, because it becomes too difficult mentally to be the person they thought they could never be. Does that make sense? Um, and so, uh, and then I, and then I, I started exercising more, uh, after I hit my goal, I started lifting weights and doing push-ups again and stuff like that, which I had been doing like sporadically throughout, you know, this journey. And I'm for my, my whole life, I've done stuff like that. I go through spurts. I've run marathons and half marathons and countless five Ks. And I've always been a runner. I've always lifted weights. I was a personal trainer a long time ago. And so I know how to do all of those things. You just kind of get in a groove and like, I like sleep. And if I'm going to do those things, I have to get up early to do them. And I like to sleep. So I tend to not get up early as often as I should. But anyway, I started doing more things and I actually um, had to talk to some other carnivores about how I feel about gaining weight now, because I had gained about three pounds in like the three weeks or month after I hit my goal. And that was actually hard emotionally. Um, and somebody said, Kelly said, look at it like you hit your goal, check it off and move on. You hit your goal. Don't worry about what happens now. You're doing the best you can do for your body. I'm exercising. I'm lifting weights. The only thing I can do is get stronger. I'm still eating the way I was eating. It's not like I'm cheating or eating things that are not on my plan or eating carbohydrates or sugar or anything like that. So the best I can do is to keep eating the way I'm eating that I know that works for my body and then lift weights and get stronger. And if that means gaining five or 10 pounds, then it means gaining five or 10 pounds. But up here, that's hard when I've been trying to get the scale to go down for 37 years. Even when I was at my goal weight in the past, I always wanted to lose another pound or two, you know, and that's an unhealthy way of thinking. So it's taken a little while for me to wrap my mind around um, the being at a healthy weight and being okay with gaining some weight. But I got a little bit off track there. But as far as people saying you just traded one eating disorder for another, that's garbage. And that's not true. And following a way of eating that makes me feel good is my prerogative. And if you're out there eating garbage and that's okay with you, then fine. But if you're somebody who wants to try something, if you're somebody who can't figure out what else to do and you have a history of eating disorders or you still have an eating disorder, get out of your own way and try this because it's probably the one thing you haven't tried. And it's the one thing that has healed us three. So if it's healed us, it can heal you. And so stop stop pointing fingers at other people and telling them that they have a problem and look in the mirror and see what kind of problems you have that this might help. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Get out of your own way. I think a lot of mm -hmm. people are, have such a, a closed mind that they can't even fathom this. And it's like, 
you know, don't give me your opinion unless you've tried this for 30 days and and then I'll hear you out. But it's like, yeah, it's just so frustrating because I'm sure all these people that are are saying that are, you know, not coming from a place of optimal health and, and maybe they're projecting, you know, their struggles onto us. But yeah, that's, that's one that bothers me. Um, so if you don't mind saying like, what are the ones that you've tried in the past? Like what were the big diets that come to mind? You name it, I've tried it. Um, <laughs> I used to be in radio. And so on two different occasions, I did like diet plans to do commercials on the radio. Um, so, you know, like I did slim fast when slim fast was just getting started and had to do like testimonials on the radio, man, that stuff was nasty. Um, I mean, it was, it was worse than eating cardboard. I mean, it was just, it was the most horrible food. I don't know what it's like now, but when they first got started, it was terrible. They would send me all these boxes. It was awful. Um, and then I did, like, I took this diet pill right after I got married and did commercials for them. The cabbage soup diet, juice fasts. Um, I've done Weight Watchers multiple times, um, you know, all vegetables and fruits. So basically vegan for I think I was vegan for maybe a year. I was vegetarian for several years at one point when I was younger, like in my early twenties for maybe five years, I was a vegetarian where you got to mix up all the beans and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, you name it, I've tried it. Um, there probably isn't, there probably aren't very many diets that I haven't tried. Keto, low carb, um, what's the one, the South beach diet. I mean, I've done it all. I've done it all over the years. Um, and this is the longest I've ever stepped with something. It's certainly the longest I've ever stuck with something without like cheating or going off plan. And it's the best I've ever felt. And I'll be 50 in May. And I feel better than I did. I feel better than I remember feeling 15 years ago because it's not just about my body and how my body feels. Although that I believe is better too. It's also about my brain. And so even 15 years ago, my brain did not work like it does right now. I did not feel as good as I do now. I was not at peace like I am now. I am at peace with myself. I'm at peace with my life. I'm at peace with my food. And that, and that's really worth a lot. But even just like, you know, two years ago, I would lay in bed in the morning when my alarm would go off, just think, oh, I got to start another day. I would get out of bed slowly and have to stretch and just feel like, is this what 48 feels like? Like, it just seems so hard to get up every day. My muscles hurt, you know, my joints hurt when I would get up. Now I wake up before my alarm, I hop out of bed, I'm wide awake right away. I mean, I, I can't imagine going back, you know, in my head, I'm never going back. Um, you know, whether or not I'll slip, I don't know, but I'm never going back intentionally to the way that I felt before. It's just not worth it. Food, nothing tastes as good as, nothing tastes as good to warrant me feeling like that again. You know, there's that saying, nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. And that is so true. Like nothing tastes that good. Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to touch on the mental side of things, but back to like your, your dieting, was that ever a place like, did, were you always thinking, Oh, like this is going to be healthy or were you more focused like on the weight side of things and the weight loss when you were doing those? Um, I think it was a combination of both. I think most of the time it was weight, but I tried to, um, combine that with being healthy. So like when I was doing Weight Watchers, I felt like it was healthy because it was low fat because <laughs> it was low fat. And, um, because it included lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. And, um, 
you know, everything was sugar-free. So I wasn't eating a lot of sugar. It was so bad. Um, you know, in the cabbage soup diet, I looked at it like, um, you know, I'm retaining water and this is going to help me get rid of water and it's going to help me lose weight, which is in turn going to make me healthier. At least it's just vegetables. Um, you know, so I, I always had that in the back of my head, vegetarian, vegan, obviously I thought those were healthy, but it was also, I always did it to lose the weight. And then, you know, then it was healthy you know, I felt like anyway, at the time. So I think it was always a kind of a combination of both, but in the, in the back, it was always mostly about weight loss. Even when I was already at my goal weight, it was always about weight loss. Even when I was already where I should have been, it still was about that for me. Yeah. Same. That's how I was too. I was always focused on my weight and never like, Oh, I think this is going to be like a healthy thing. It's like, that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe we could touch a little bit more on like the mental side of things. Like you said, you even feel a difference in, in like your brain or your mental state or whatever than you did before. How, what other benefits are you feeling? Um, well, I'm not moody like I was, um, at that time of the month, I don't have any PMS at all. Um, like ever, I don't even know it's coming. I'm shocked when it starts because I'm not bloated. My stomach doesn't hurt. You know, I have, I don't get cramps. I have no symptoms at all, typically. Um, so I'm not moody at all. Um, I feel like I don't like snap as much. I feel like I'm much more calm, cool, and collected. Um, and my brain works better, like as far as decision-making and things like that. I just, I don't usually forget what, you know, what I want to say or what I went into a room for and then forgot or things like that. So just in general, I feel like my cog cognitive thinking is better. I feel like I'm quicker than I was before. And I feel like my memory is a lot better too. For years, for probably five years in my early forties or mid forties, I would say to my friends, I feel like I have early onset Alzheimer's disease. It's like, I can't even remember what I did yesterday. And we always just joked about it and laughed about it, but man, that's a real thing. And I think that that's what was happening to me. I think I'm starting to lose it um, because of the foods that I was eating. And even when I was juicing a lot, I still, you know, as if that's a good thing. Like even when I was juicing a lot, but you know what I mean? Like I thought that I was, I thought I was doing that personally for that reason. I thought it was getting rid of my brain fog and stuff, um, but nothing has ever done for me what the carnivore diet has done for me. Yeah. It's kind of, I feel like the end of the road, you know, for all of us have been like yo-yo dieting all these years. It seems like, okay, we finally like made it. Like this is the only thing that like everyone seems to be able to stick to and not have those slip-ups or even like desire to slip up. Mm -hmm. It's because it's up here. So much of it's up here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, it's definitely a mental shift for sure. And I think not having like those carbs and sugar, you know, gets rid of some of that inflammation in the brain too. So everything's kind of just running a little bit better. Yeah. <clears throat> No, what are your thoughts, Devin? You never really came from like a binge background, would you think? Or no, and, and no, and, and the thing is, is uh, like I would enjoy, like, and I and I will occasionally. I've been very honest about that, um, just because I'm so content with where I am as far as my weight, my fitness, my mental. But I've gotten to the point now where it's like I can go out and eat a non-carnivore meal, and it just is like I'm done. It's it was the end of the day, like, you know, and it just is, but I know that there are so many people 
who can't do that? And so it's like, it has to, and this is Courtney and I had also talked about, you know, really you coming to the realization that, you know, I am not a moderator. I am an abstainer. And you've talked about that a lot where I feel now like, oh, okay, I might have a non-carnivore meal on a date night with my husband, but it is what it is. But some people, they really can't do that. And so, <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people understand that there is very much a need where you may not, you, you cannot go near it. So can you like talk to talk about that too? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have binged on kale guys. Like I, you know, those big bags from Sam's, like the chopped up kale, I would be making that for dinner with my family and I would be sauteing it in like coconut oil with salt. And I'd be picking at it while it was cooking. It must've been the salt and the coconut oil, I guess, but I would be picking out while I was eating it. Um, and when it was done, like the pan was empty and I would have to get another bag out. That's how obsessed I was. I would buy two and I would have to make the other bag. And I remember a friend saying to me one time, I've never heard anybody feel guilty for eating so much kale, but I was sick. I mean, I was sick for two days from eating that much kale. I was miserable. Um, so like potatoes, anytime I've ever made baked potatoes for dinner, which is a lot, if I wasn't like counting my calories or counting my points with Weight Watchers or something like that man, I'd eat four baked potatoes with lots of butter on them. Like it's the carbs, you know, same thing with sweet potatoes, even without sugar on it. Um, so like, it wasn't just sh sweets for me. It could have, it could be kale. It could have been whole wheat pizza. It was, you know, there were all these different, um, but it was certainly candy too, um, you know, and cake and cupcakes, obviously it was all those things for me um, that I still just over consumed at times. Um, and I, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. It's been 20 months. I don't know what would happen if I eat, you know, if I tried to eat one cupcake now, I don't know what would happen. And honestly, I'm not willing to find out. Um, I know that sugar is a drug. I know that it was my drug of choice. I know how it lights up the brain. I'm a, like at church, I, I work the welcome center. And I was just talking to my husband about this this morning. Um, we have a, a basket of um, Hershey's kisses on the table. And then we have a basket of mints on the table. And I see people standing around in groups in the lobby at church, like talking to each other and they glance over to the table and they see the baskets and I can see their eyes light up. Like they know what's in those baskets. Like you can see it hit. Those people don't need a mint. You know, they come over to the table because their sugar addiction and their brain saw those baskets and knows what was in them. And they come over and they pick up a handful of candy. That's how they start their day. You know, the, the kids come in to church and they have a donut and a Coke, you know, and some of the candy before, before nine in the morning. And then after service, they have more of those same things. They come out and they want another donut. And then their parents wonder why they're melting down or not feeling good. Or, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know? Um, and I was never, I mean, our kids ate stuff like that and still do, you know, on occasion. But I was never like that. I was never that parent that, you know, allows, you know, that much junk food, you know, all the time because it, it just seemed like over the top for me. Um, but I am definitely now, uh, definitely an abstainer, probably have been for a long time, but I didn't know what that was. And that was kind of my light bulb moment about a year ago when I heard about the difference between an abstainer and a moderator. I was like, oh, oh, that's why I'm better. It was like, I just didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that's what was causing me so much trouble was that I was an abstainer. So, um, so that made a big difference for me was learning the difference between the two that I can't moderate things. And that's, that's like normal. A lot of people can't do that. There are two groups of people and I'm in this group. And so that's okay. I just have to know that I'm in this group and not do that so that, you know, I don't go overboard. Yeah. That, that's, sorry. Sorry. Corey. I think that that is so important to 
say and to be heard because we live in a society, especially when we're talking about food, where everything in moderation is key. And that's the narrative for almost everything. Everything in moderation is key. And I don't, you know, I mean, everything, Courtney gets it all the time on her comments. Everything yeah. in moderation is key, yeah, a balanced too. diet. Some people cannot do that, you yeah. know, even with like berries, you know what I mean? Like some people, you can absolutely overdo that. And so I think that that's really important because no, almost no one is talking about how like moderation really might not be key for a very yeah. large group of people. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And why is that not okay? Like, okay. If someone was addicted to drugs, okay. Then they stop. They're not going to once in a while take drugs or even like an alcoholic. Right. Like there's a reason why I, I don't drink anymore too, is because I couldn't moderate. So I need right. to abstain. So why is that socially acceptable um, mm -hmm. to give up those and, right. and not what we're doing? Like, I feel like yeah. it should be no matter what diet you eat, I would think sugar could be a common ground that we can all agree that sugar is bad and it has these effects, but I'm realizing it's not because then you have right. these dietitians um, that that say you should be eating those in moderation. Like that's what's considered normal. And to me, it just seems like people are just trying to justify their sugar and carb addiction and mm -hmm. tearing us down to that because we take out food items that don't make us feel our best. Yeah. That's true. Everything in moderation doesn't work for everybody because everybody can't moderate things. And I don't drink either. My mom's an alcoholic. Um, and I mean, I had my bouts with it, you know, when I was younger, but now it's been probably close to 20 years because it just doesn't work for me. That's just not something that I want to do. It's not something I want to put in my body. I have kids and I don't want to, you know, worry that something's going to happen while I'm trying to take care of my kids. Um, it's just not worth it for me. And so it's been years and years and years um, I could moderate it then. Um, but maybe my food stuff wasn't so bad then. I don't know. Um, but it's just not worth me trying. I don't want to put that in my body anymore. Yeah. And speaking of kids and family are, is the rest of your family carnivore or if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. <laughs> um, my husband mostly is, um, you know, a few things here and there that he doesn't, but mostly he is. Um, and then the rest of my kids are not, um, the two that I'm kind of still in control of mostly, um, are 16 and 14 and, um, they have done very well. They have definitely eliminated a lot of sugar and a lot of carbohydrates. Um, as long as I can have the things in the house that they really like, like if I can have bread, cheese and pepperoni and, you know, the things that they really enjoy, they do eat the meat that we eat, but they eat other things to go with it. Um, they eat lots of berries. I try not to give them the really high sugar fruits and things like that. Um, and then my older two are, my son is 20 and my oldest daughter is 22. She's, um, she's getting ready to get married. And so she'll be on her own. They both, um, my son, you know, he's at that 20 year old stage working full time and just kind of eating whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he feels like he can do that now. And so that's fine. He knows how we feel about it. He knows how we eat. Um, and I think he'll, you know, he'll get it. And then our, our daughter, uh, she always eats very healthy. She doesn't like sugar very much. She doesn't eat a lot of sweets. Um, and so she does pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm happy as long as they don't eat a lot of processed foods and then they can make their decision They're If they were younger, I would make the decision for them. But now that they're all older, it's a little bit harder to do that. And so I feel like they'll get it and they'll make, they'll make, they will make their decisions. But I feel like if they want to eat 
fruits and vegetables and meats, then that's fine. As long as they're not eating a lot of processed thing, I think that's where that's where most of the trouble comes in is the processed food. So if they can stay on the outside aisles of the grocery store, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, even having fruits and vegetables can be way better than the stuff in the aisle. So, and especially with when they're older, like all you can do, I guess, is lead, lead by example, and maybe they'll, they'll come around or not. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have been receptive of this when I was 20 at yeah, all. Me yeah, so. me too. Yeah. Interesting. Devin, you got anything? <laughs> uh, I, I was wondering, I, I'm curious from a social media standpoint though, like how did you like get, cause I mean, like, I think we all, it's like, oh, how did you get started? But I'm interested for you personally, because, and I, I mean, this is like, so diff were you just like, so excited to share this that you're like, yeah, I think I need to get on social media. But I, I mean, I'm curious yeah. about what your kids think about that as well. Um, we deterred our kids from social media and internet use for lots and lots of years. Um, so this is definitely different. I mean, they do have devices and have, you know, for a long time, but um, our youngest still doesn't have any kind of social media. She's 14. Our 16 year old, um, I think maybe she's had Instagram for a year. None of them got like Instagram or Facebook or anything until they were like 15 or 16 years old. We homeschool so we can do that and, and not have that pressure, you know, on, on us or on them to do that. Um, and so this is definitely different that I spend so much time, but it started off as a Weight Watchers page actually. <laughs> um, and it was just a place for me to share my stuff. I had, you know, found other people doing it and I thought, oh, I'll share my meal ideas. You know, I thought I had some pretty good ideas. And so I would share my meal ideas. And then when I became a carnivore, I went back in and changed the name and deleted, you know, those things. And um, yeah, it just kind of happened, I guess, because I just, once I started to feel better, I just wanted to share it. And so I started sharing it and sharing other people's posts. Um, and then, you know, I did the interview with Jess last year that um, put us together, that put Jess and I together and got us to come up with the carnival revolution. And so we've been doing that. And um you know, it was, a, it was an eye-opener for all of us, how much time can be wasted and spent um, on the internet and on your phone. I mean, I've always, you know, spent a little bit too much time on my phone, but this is a little bit ridiculous. But, um, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to still get everything done and still do what I'm doing and get the word out. I think it's really important. I think the more we can talk about it and the more of us that can get together and talk about it, you know, the more people we're going to reach and help. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is, is I've always enjoyed teaching. I taught essential oils classes for about 10 years. Um, and I was in radio before I started having kids. So I'm good at like broadcasting things and, um, kind of promoting things. And so I enjoy promoting the carnivore diet and telling people about it. I wonder, do you know what human design you are? I have no idea. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> I just would, just when you were saying all that, I'm like, Oh, I wonder if you're also a projector, but okay. Different, sure. different thing. <laughs> um, well, before we start to wrap things up, um, Devin, I don't know if you have anything else because I feel like, sorry, I've been taking over this. Um, but no, I did. I mean, I dominated the last one. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to know like, if there's anything on your heart that you want to share or what would you, you know, tell someone that's curious on this, any, any words of wisdom? Um, I'd like to address the cholesterol issue. Chill out about cholesterol. We get lots and lots of comments about cholesterol. Um, cholesterol is not bad. There are higher instances of dementia, 
Parkinson's and Alzheimer's in people that have low cholesterol. So if you or your family member are taking a statin to lower your cholesterol, just keep that in mind. Um, there is really no limit on what your cholesterol should be, really. There were never any studies to prove that it causes heart disease, that high cholesterol causes problems. There, was, there were never any studies to prove those things. So I think it's important to do your own research. If you haven't already, read The Big Fat Surprise. And I think it will really shock you, the information in that book, um, once you realize and follow the money trail and find out that um, it just wasn't all necessarily in the book, but just in general, if you do research, you'll find that the numbers for blood pressure and for um, cholesterol are set by the insurance, co the insurance companies who are heavily influenced by the drug companies who want your cholesterol to be lower because then you have to take a statin to get it that way. So even people whose normal cholesterol has been 130 for 30 years, now they want it. I mean, not your blood pressure, not your cholesterol. Your blood pressure has been 130. Um, they want it to be in the 120s now. It's very rare to have an adult whose blood pressure is in the 120s. I mean, it's like, it's not everybody's blood pressure is that low. And they want it that low now because of the, then the people who are healthy at 130 and it's been that way, it'd be different if your blood pressure was 130 and then it shoots up to 150 and stays there you know, for six months or something. But if your blood pressure is steady in the 130s and they want you to take something for that, be very weary of that because it's the insurance companies and the drug manufacturers that determine those numbers and they make those numbers so low that you have to take a medication to get it that low. And it's the same way with your cholesterol. Like I said, there was never any evidence to prove that cholesterol is a bad thing. And if you don't believe that, do some research. There has never been any evidence that the sad diet experiment that we're on is good either. And people just follow that, but the experiment has proven itself and it has failed. If you look at the last 50 years and you look at Americans health and look up those statistics, do it. We are tenfold higher with people with heart disease now um, people with people that are obese, we are 10, the numbers are 10 times higher now than it was then. And it's the foods that we're eating, uh, people who are diabetic, 10 times higher right now. And type two diabetes is food related. That is something that you are creating yourself. And if you don't believe that, look it up. You can't just eat a donut and then take insulin and say, it's okay. You're causing, you're causing yourself more damage. You're causing yourself more harm. You're not fixing the problem. And the only way to fix most of our health problems in America is to change the way we're eating. It's the seed oils, the processed carbs, and the sugar that are causing 90% of the health problems in America. Cancer is fed by sugar. We are doing this to ourselves. And the only way that we can stop it is to change the way we're eating. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mic yeah. drop. I mean, you're right. And some people just are resistant to believing that. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. And like you said, fall money. I mean, it's all about like these companies trying to make money. They can't, you know, make money off you if you're healthy. It's like, That's you know, they create these problems and then they create the solution with their pill. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, very, very frustrating. <laughs> Absolutely. The FDA, the people that create the food pyramid, all of those people are getting their funding from the carbohydrate companies, from Kellogg's and Frito-Lay. Most of their funding comes from those companies. So they will keep recommending those foods. And until you do the own, your own research and learn these things, you're never going to believe it. And you're going to keep eating the garbage. I see people at the grocery store, they're trying, they have mostly vegetables in their carts. They have fruits in their carts. And then they have all those low fats, 
you know, diet foods, you know, the snack well stuff and the sugar-free crackers and the gluten-free crackers. And, you know, they're really, you can look in their carts, the fat-free salad dressings, you can see that you're, tr that they're trying and you just want to say, those aren't the right foods. They're filled with seed oils. They're going to raise your inflammation. They're going to cause all of these problems. You're actually going to gain weight from eating those foods instead of losing it. And, you know, you can't tell everybody, we can't save everybody, but we can, you know, we can save some people. And I just, yeah, I mean, I want to shout it from the rooftops, you know, and just tell everybody. So, you know, we just got to keep talking. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. A lot of people are trying and mm -hmm. it's just sad because they're, they're just being misinformed. And so they think they're doing the right things and mm -hmm. they're not. And, you know, that yeah. was me just a few years ago, even a year ago, I have mm -hmm. learned so much on this mm -hmm. carnivore diet. I mean, nine months ago, I was frying Brussels sprouts in canola oil. Like knew that avocado oil was going to be more ideal, but it cost more, um, had no clue about the whole seed oil debacle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so much stuff, you know, that people just don't realize. And I'm super glad, even though carnivore is getting bashed, I'm so glad that it's, it seems to be a hot topic right now and it's really getting some attention. So, you know, yeah. hopefully people that are, you know, at their rock bottom will see this and, and get curious, even if it yeah. is being bashed, they might like, you're like, hmm, well, I'm going to look that up because I feel like shit right now. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. We just mm -hmm. got to keep talking and sharing. Yep. I agree. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, before we wrap this up, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, talk about your coaching, whatever you got going on. And then we have a few fun questions to ask you. Okay. Um, you can find me serena.carnivore on Instagram. I have my own YouTube channel. Also same name. I don't do a lot of stuff there. Most of my stuff is on the carnivore revolution YouTube channel. Um, we do all kinds of things. We do interviews and cooking and we post or what I eat in the days there. Um, so you can find me there. And then we have a new mighty network for the carnivore revolution. And we have eight different coaches from all different backgrounds from ancestral to low carb to keto to carnivore. Um, so it's a free community. And then we're also doing a monthly challenge where you get four Zooms a week with all of the coaches and we get to sit down and talk and you get like a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching time and, you know, more direct access. Um, so we've just started that. That's a lot of fun. The link is in my bio and in the Carnival Revolution bio. And I think that's it. And you offer um, group coaching as well? Um, yeah, we're just doing that in the Mighty Network right now. Oh, in there now. Okay. Old, yeah, the four week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So that keeps us pretty busy. Awesome. Okay, great. Devin, you want to do the questions? Um, yeah, my internet is going out. So you might okay. have to record me. Okay. Um, okay. Number one, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Number one, um, what is your favorite curse word? I don't curse. So I don't have one. Darn. But what do you say when you're like, oh, crud. crap, crud. I say crud, crud. Okay, perfect. And then number two, what was your favorite like food when you weren't carnivore? Like what was your favorite non-healthy food? Probably pizza. Well, yeah. and cupcakes, of course. I don't know. <laughs> I say that, pound. that pound cake you talk about sounds pretty good right now. Uh, oh. And number three, um, what are you currently reading or watching? I am currently reading Brain Energy for Dr. Chafee's book club. So I'm currently reading that one. 
And we're starting a book club in the Mighty Network for February, for our February group. And we're going to read The Big Fat Surprise, which I've read three times already. Can't wait to read it the fourth time. If you haven't read it, go out and get The Big Fat Surprise right now and read it. Awesome. So that's different than, okay, I was thinking when you said that, like the great cholesterol, oh, the great cholesterol myth then. That's mm -hmm. something different then. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that one, but how's brain energy? I heard that's amazing. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's pretty good that Chris Palmer does the narration and I'm having a little bit of a hard time with the narration. <laughs> you know, sometimes it just doesn't work like that, um, but it's fine. So far, it's a really good book. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Was that three? Yeah. Did we do them all the three? Okay. Sorry. I'm in my own little world over here. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Serena. I'm so stoked to talk to you. I feel like this whole like binge side of things isn't talked about much. And I bet a lot of people have done it or do it right now. And hopefully they can find this and know that it doesn't have to be like that. And there is like an end in sight and you don't have to, you know, battle the binging and restriction anymore. So thank you so much for being open, sharing that. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, everybody.